Hi everyone and welcome to this latest episode of Coaching in Focus. I'm Joseph, your host, and also the founder of Become Coaching and Training, which is an ICF accredited coach training school. And on today's episode, I am in conversation with the very wonderful Gemma Rabini. Gemma is a coach who predominantly works with women. She's got a background in marketing and we thought it would be wonderful to record an episode on finding your coaching niche. Now Gemma shares a few tips both from her career in marketing, having spent many years working at John Lewis, but also she talks about how she herself found her own coaching niche or niches or super niche as we'll hear in a little bit as well. I find this idea of niches intriguing because for me, coaching is coaching and we we can potentially coach anyone. It doesn't have to be within a specific niche. Although it does help having a bit of an idea what type of clients we actually want to work with. But at the beginning of your coach training program or if you're a newbie coach, then I would suggest not to be too hung up on finding your niche because this takes time. And as we explore on this episode, those initial challenges perhaps that we might go through really help us to develop our self-awareness in terms of, hey, what type of clients do I actually want to work with? So let's listen in to the podcast episode and I hope you find it useful in exploring your own coaching niche as well. Well, Gemma, it's so nice to see you on the podcast today. How are you doing? Yeah, really well. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Same here. Same here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. We're going to talk about coaching niches. And for those of you who don't know Gemma, uh, the very lovely Gemma Rabini uh, is a career confidence and impact coach. And you've also completed our diploma in interpretive coaching. And you currently mainly work with women, right? With ambitious women, typically around customer experience, market, marketing, brand. Um, tell us a bit more about you. So um, my background is in the customer space. So I spent 13 years at John Lewis working in branding, brand communications, marketing, and I left there uh, a couple of years ago and found, because I found that my career had over time just moved more and more towards people. And I'd met amazing women over my career that had brilliant, brilliant skills, experience, but just were suffering with imposter syndrome, not really able to sort of put themselves forward in their in their careers. And when the opportunity came to take redundancy, I thought, right, this is your opportunity, Gemma, to do something that is purposeful, but also plays on all your experience that you've had in the working corporate world. So, um, so yeah, so now I run Coach and Bloom, which is a, um, a, a company that supports women to be to get the big jobs and to be the best that they can be in their careers. That is what got you into coaching, noticing that you wanted to work more actively with people. So it's really interesting because over my career, I was aware of seeing these women and, and kind of working with them and seeing mm-hmm. their limiting themselves. But what really got me into coaching mm. was when I experienced it for the first time. So I came to coaching quite late in my career at John Lewis. So I was there for 13 years, as I say, and I only discovered coaching probably two or three years before I left. And I had an amazing coach um, who was internal in the business. They have a coaching bank at John Lewis. And I went to this coach dom for support with leadership. 
because I had a really difficult relationship with my boss and I thought it was me. And so I kind of said, you know, I need to up my game in my leadership. And over the course of Mm. just in the first conversation, it was the, it was such a different conversation than I'd ever had before. And it was so eye opening and it made me, it just turned everything on its head. It was absolutely game changing for me. And my reflection was, I wish I'd had this earlier in my career. I wish I'd had access to this at a point where I had my first promotion, when I was first managing a team, when I was changing departments, any opportunity. I look back over my career and thought, oh, gosh, how different would it have been if I'd had that support earlier in my career? I'm I'm intrigued a bit more about your niche. I mean, I know the topic today is really about, you know, finding your niche and specifically how you went uh, about to do this. So I was trying to boil the ocean when I first started to look at coaching. And because coaching can be a really generous um, kind of engagement, I guess, you sort of want to help everyone. Coming from a, a family where I was one of three girls, being taught kind of, you know, girls can do everything that boys can do, like there's no restrictions. And then going into a corporate world where people were, I was seeing more restrictions I was quite motivated to support women and I knew that that's what I wanted to do. My mum gave up work when we were really young. She had like a first class degree from Oxford and she gave up her career to look after us girls. Um, And it was just really interesting that women put so much restriction on themselves and they make so many compromises. So I was like, women, definitely. But then as I was setting up my business and I was starting to coach more and more people, what I realised was that when I kind of tell my story of where I've been, it was feeling like that was the old world of being in the customer space, being in marketing and branding. And this was kind of a coach, Gemma. This was like a new version of me. Just pretend you don't know about the past. And it was feeling really incongruent because actually what what makes me have a connection with the people that I I coach is that I, I do understand their world. I've been in their world and I know the sorts of things, the language that they use, the sorts of things that they talk about, I get it really quickly. And so when I was, so my my niche has kind of evolved over time as I probably have become more confident about putting those two worlds together. Um, and so now coaching, you know, heads of, heads of customer, heads of brand, heads of customer experience and those type of people, I, I looked back at kind of who I was coaching and I was like, they are already in that space. They are attracted to me, probably because I'm from that same world. But they're coming to me for a different thing. They're coming to me for coaching around imposter syndrome and and kind of lack of confidence. They're having senior roles in businesses, but they're just wanting to progress. Some of that because they've had perhaps time off or perhaps they've just been, they feel quite passed over for promotions and what you mentioned there is um is that and correct me if i'm wrong here but what i'm hearing is you tapped into what's important to you right you tapped into your values you tapped into your strengths you tapped into the industry experience that you have and in a way you joined them together to you know carve out your niche but what i'm really hearing is the importance of knowing who you are knowing what it is that, that you want to do kind of that reflective process yeah. in a way 
is key. Absolutely. And it and it's taken mm. a while. Like it has mm-hmm. it, it wasn't something that I just landed on and thought, you know, no. brilliant. It was actually something I consciously put in a different box. Don't tell anyone that I used to do this. Mm. You know, let's just focus mm-hmm. on what I am now in this sort of reborn version post, you know, post taking the opportunity of redundancy. Yes. And it just became a really I felt like I was sort of leading two lives like oh yes you know me from Gemma the marketing person but I'm not that anymore I'm now Gemma the coach and I've got all this different insight <laughs> and actually you know you're yeah. right it was about going back to who do I want to serve you know if I wasn't paid for it who would I work with mm. especially as working through you know this these big organizations you notice some of the challenges that people who um you know, women specifically in those situations might be facing. I was really, I really like the way that you phrased a bit around language, you know, that you can enter coaching conversations in a more heightened mode in a way, because you understand the language. Um, but I also think you also understand the feeling that somebody comes through into those sessions with, um, if you encounter, I don't know, if you're working with a woman who, who feels in a particular way, I would imagine that you know, based on your experience, you might be able to resonate with that yeah. as well, which kind of helps. Yeah, certainly. And just, you know, when, when I, sometimes when I'm working with clients and I kind of, other people in the past sort of come to mind, I'm like, oh, you know, the, no, no, everyone is unique, obviously, and everyone has their unique challenges, but I'm kind of, I build a bit of a picture in my head and I'm thinking, gosh, I've seen that. Like, I've seen the person you've described you portraying and I've worked with those people and I've worked with those women and I wonder if they were feeling like you are now. And and almost just those missed opportunities to help those women in my past that I've seen, you know, super confident and, you know, going to all the parties and being. And then I wonder what happened when they closed the door. Um, and, you know, maybe they were absolutely fine. But it's really interesting when you kind of get to go under the bonnet of the people who are responsible for delivering amazing work. And then it's very human nature, isn't it? You kind of put on a facade and, and when you're in an, in, when you're in an industry that is typically quite confident, quite positive, quite forward going, um, it's easy for you to pretend that you're always feeling like that. Yeah. Something that's on my mind is around, cause something, you know, one thing that we say a lot, in coaching is that it's it's easier to coach people who you don't know you have less kind of experience of um but at the same time we're also talking about how having that connection can really help to build that partnership between coach and client so i'm just wondering how do you is there any other any tips that you could share around how do you stay as a coach and not shift into mentoring, for example, or consulting, when you're working with somebody who shares quite similar things that you can resonate so kind of um, profoundly with. It's so interesting because it's really easy to make assumptions in that environment because if someone's saying, you know, we had a Black Friday deal and this you know, supplier came in late with the money and da-da-da-da, and they like to tell you, about what's going on because they know that you're in that world sometimes so I think the techniques that I use is that I'm I am very very conscious of it all the time because I know I could go into oh I know that's a nightmare you know oh I've been in that situation myself and that's not helpful and so a lot of the time I just I am consciously aware and I will often just write stuff down 
just to get it out of my head if I'm thinking something and I'm kind of just to so it's down um sometimes I do do that in a discovery call I do that overtly and say I know we're both from a similar background so if at a time I feel like we're talking more shop than we're talking about you and your reactions do I have your permission to just to just kind of call it that and get back to you because you need to get what you need from from the sessions that we have together you've got lots of people you could talk to about the stress of the last minute supplier and the creative execution that got supplied in the wrong month or whatever you know so let's stick to you and and actually yeah and with women as well you do have to probably overtly do that because they're not as used to talking about themselves in a how can I move myself forward in a positive way a lot of it is you know this is what I'm doing for other people this is what I'm doing at work and and I think almost to say this is your space and you can talk about whatever you like but actually this is your space to work on you I don't need you to tell me that you're to prove your credibility in this head of role that you've got and I don't need you to tell me about the ins and outs of the campaign management for you to be justified in being here and and, and us talking about you and your reactions to yeah. what's happened um so yeah so great great contracting essentially what you're saying in there isn't it you you contract really well with your client at the chemistry meeting at the start of session you've got your permission to kind of pause if they're moving more towards shop rather than themselves yeah and people tend to really appreciate that strangely because they just sort of go yeah that would be what happened with like it's quite funny and you can have a laugh with it and then in the sessions you can kind of you can play with it a bit and and sometimes people do mm -hmm. use it as a defense mechanism mm -hmm. as well when they're not feeling that comfortable about mm. talking about the impact on them they'll just go into you know do you know about you know econometric modeling and i'm like i don't, I don't really i do but that's not really important <laughs> this is not the time <laughs> so the other question that i've got in mind is around um in terms of niches can somebody have more than one niche you know you're talking about women you talk about marketing here you know what are your thoughts around that so even though I say my niche is around kind of, you know, marketing, customer experience and senior women in those roles, they won't be in senior roles if they drop out of employment at the point where they come back from maternity leave or they don't come back from maternity leave. So I guess I guess in some ways I have like a super niche, which is mums in marketing. That's kind of my absolute optimal kind of niche because they that is that's the moment in their career when they're when they might be tempted or might be feel forced to drop out of the employment market but actually if I don't work with those women at that point they might never become people in those senior roles living their dreams and actually being able to be the best that they can be because you know just for the sake of a few coaching co you know sessions at that moment so I suppose in some ways I kind of have two niches I have this kind of senior level women in that kind of that industry and in that space but then I also have a almost a almost a, a sort of a moment in your career kind of niche which is that squiggle where your confidence is really low you feel a lot of imposter syndrome you're not the same person as you were before and you're coming back into the job market feeling just really quite suboptimal in you know in a lot of ways and if you don't navigate that and I didn't have help to navigate that when I came back from both my maternity leaves 
And I look back now and I think, gosh, I was a broken person. I really was. And there was things I was doing to try and make up for it. There was, you know, I got like a styling appointment and, you know, clothes are important. They affect how you wear, how you feel about yourself. But I was trying to pretend that I was looking the part because inside I wasn't feeling the part at all. So I thought, well, if only I could just gloss over. And in hindsight, it's really easy, isn't it, to say, obviously, that's what was happening. At the time, I thought I was being really proactive and powerful and, you know, creating this. But actually, what I needed was that help, emotional support to just probably, and it probably would have involved tears. It doesn't always need to, but just to kind of get out some of that stuff and to start building up so that I could be Mm. a future head of marketing customer experience whatever in in the future um so yeah really interesting yeah that Mm. pausing right that pausing and um which is what coaching does uh, to be able to kind of help us understand what's currently happening rather than do everything in an automatic way or just do something instead of something else just kind of plaster on something yeah a band-aid moment um so again, we're going back to things that you're passionate about you know, yeah. in terms of your niche or sub-niche yeah. or your super-niche um, <laughs> and, and the second niche. Um, so, so, you know, one thing that we always get, you know, whenever I speak to new coaches, uh, it's a question that comes up all the time. Like, do I have to have a niche before I start training? Um, I personally don't think you do. I think at the beginning... I mean, there's a couple of things. I think, firstly, when you enter a coach training program and you start learning more about coaching, you find out more about yourself and what mm. it is that you might want to do. So so there's that. And secondly, going into something like that, holding a niche really tightly, in a way, stops you from seeing everything else that could be really amazing and fantastic and that you could really enjoy doing. So I always say to people, look, don't worry too much. Like your niche will come, you know, like mm. it takes time. Like you mentioned earlier, it's not something that you wake up one morning, like this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, how was it for you? I like, completely what do you think? agree. So I did not have this niche. As I said, I was trying to separate my two lives. So I didn't have a niche when I went into coaching. And it was this generosity mm-hmm. of spirit of I want to help everyone, all women in all walks of life. And actually... I had to do a lot of work on massive bits of paper, on A3 bits of paper, and just writing down who do I want to spend time with? Who do I enjoy? What sorts of people do I enjoy being with? Because I think coaching is such, it it does take energy and it does take, you know, you have to be passionate about helping that person. And I know you can coach, you can coach anyone, but actually if you're doing it for people that you you know and you like and you you kind of you have that rapport with yes there are some watch outs but it is so much more enjoyable to be in an industry where you're when you're doing that and I think I I spent loads of time just writing down things about what I wanted to do what who I wanted to help how I wanted the world to be different what you know the sorts of industries I could credibly say I've worked in so some of this is about credibility some of it's about passion and 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 what's important to you um but I think I probably would have struggled if I'd had a niche right at the beginning and held it really tightly I think I needed to go through that that evolution of thought to say here's all the people I could help let's narrow it down consciously and almost filter down 
what you know and to the next level to the next level and they they do say you can never have a tight enough niche you know if you can niche on whatever it is gender or you know geography or whatever it is you're going to niche on niche down more how can you niche down more and almost go down through three levels of niching to kind of get to a it almost feels like you're too specific and i remember hearing someone talk about going into a room and you have to be confident and comfortable that you will probably potentially unless you've really nailed the targeting of the event probably going to alienate 70 percent of the room but that 30 percent that listen to you you will be exactly what they need but you have to be comfortable to not be serving and say no you know not serve those people if you're really passionate about it and there's no rules about it so if you wanted to you've it's all within your gift to choose to support that man who's you know completely out but for some reason you really think you can help them that's that's still allowed you can still you can still do that but I think just the clarity of having this is who I help and having a really clear view on why that is and for me it's quite a selfish reason I just like the people that work in that space I like the energy usually that they have I like the what they're being asked to do I understand it and that for me is gives me more kind of comfort and 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 kind of yeah I guess just an enjoyment of the job that I do so and also I mean you're the marketing expert here um but from a marketing point of view it's great because people also see you that way you you know you've got a certain expertise that goes beyond you being the coach you're a coach in a specific field for example and it's also easier for people to find you people are searching online for a coach if you if you've got a very specific niche and people can find you more easily as well. Although then from the other flip side, I think something that is important to mention, and this is how I feel, it'd be interesting to see what you think, is that the majority of what we do, though, in a coaching session tends to be quite similar. Like the skills that you learn if you're an executive coach are going to be very similar to the skills that you would use if you're a, I don't know, a personal development coach or obviously not sports coaching because it's something completely different. That's absolutely right. And that's that's almost that's that's really amazing. But it's also kind of the the flip side of that is it's actually you could coach anyone about anything. And then how are you different? So people have to recognize that they have a problem that you can help solve it for them and that you are the one who's going to solve it best for them. So whatever you do to set out your stall in terms of this is my specialism albeit I'm going to, you know, alienate most of the whole of LinkedIn because they're not working in this area. But this is my specialism. This is what I love to do. And this is how I help people. And, you know, and people don't pay for coaching. They pay for an outcome. They pay for a solution. No one's going to say, oh, I'd like to have six months of coaching. But they will say, I need to get a more senior level job I'm frustrated in my current company and I know I could be ahead of but I just need some you know yeah. I need something to help me yeah so so somebody would automatically think oh I need to get a career coach because I'm talking about career so they wouldn't be looking for a life coach and uh, and if that's what you're passionate about then labeling yourself in a positive way um, a career coach can you know help you connect absolutely and I think also with careers Mm. you know career coaching 
is it's important and it's going to get you a specific outcome from a financial perspective often so i think there's quite an interesting mm-hmm. balance in just because the pricing is different like there's a lot of other things that people might assume about life coaching versus career coaching so if life coaching is what you need mm-hmm. and actually that's going to really get the change that you want in your life that's amazing if it's a you know yes it might be very similar techniques and and approaches but applied in a in in a different context you've got kind of there's there's a very specific outcome usually that people will will kind of want yeah. in that in that yeah. space so yeah which i guess is the five or ten percent is different in what people would do right we're using more or less similar type of things uh, but what the client comes into the session with um, can be yeah. different yeah absolutely and I'd love to keep on talking about this, but we've only got a couple of minutes left or so. So, um, so in terms of perhaps somebody who, uh, who, who, who is thinking about this, you know, they're asking themselves, do I need to niche? What kind of support can we give them? What kind of helpful tips can we share? I think I would encourage people to get a big blank piece of paper and think about mm-hmm. who do I enjoy spending time with? Who do I want to help? What sort of a difference do I want to make? And asking themselves some of those key questions around what's what's important to me. And also the credibility questions. Where am I? What industries am I credible in? What sorts of life experience have I had that I'm passionate about? So it's not about saying everyone will have experienced depression in the same way I have. Everyone will have experienced redundancy in the same way I have. But actually writing down the life experiences that you've had. And when you look at all those things written down, sometimes some themes jump out. So I think I'd, I would always encourage people to kind of look for where are the similarities? Are there kind of areas, the sorts of people in the industries you have you know, affinity with or enjoy being part of? Is there some links there? And almost building yourself a story of where am I credible and where am I passionate? And those are kind of the two things that, you know, in our conversation today that seem to come through quite a lot, aren't they? Um, Because there's no point doing it. I think you just got to love your work. And as as coaches, we most people tend to be very passionate about helping people. So you almost have to, I think, go back to what's going to fill you what's going to fill you with joy what's going to really help you get up a bit out of bed in the morning and if you can start from that point and keep as close to that point as possible you'll be on to a winner I think in terms of a niche Mm -hmm. yeah I fully agree with that I think that's a really lovely idea of you know spending a bit of time spending an hour or so and just you know or journaling or drawing or something that gets those ideas on paper there's something quite magical about that process right just to kind of get it all down and the other thing for me is not be too hasty in it as in like one being kind to yourself that you might not have the answer and that's okay and secondly that your niche can change you know I was thinking about my own career I start I, I called myself I think at the beginning I used to call myself an executive coach and then I could see myself shifting in terms of what I wanted to do and then I moved into more career coaching and then I shifted again. So it's okay to shift. You're not, I mean, I'm not changing drastically in terms of my coaching, but you know, you kind of keep on chipping away at it because you learn more about yourself. You learn more about the people you want to work with. And also you change as a coach as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, because different challenges might come up and you say, I really enjoy people supporting people in that way. And actually, what would that what doors would that open? Fantastic. Um, and it's such a nice, positive way how to end today's episode as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, I can I can imagine a few of our viewers and listeners, um, you know, getting out an A3 piece of paper <laughs> and jotting down all of your ideas <laughs> and size, do share. Other paper sizes do exist, but A3 for me, <laughs> felt very. But I think it's like a vision board, isn't it? Like you need yeah, something so that creative. Yeah. Oh, so so nice, Gemma, to spend a bit of time with you once again. Um, thank you for you know talking about your niche talking about your business telling us a bit more how you you know how you're developing your niche and um i will speak soon amazing thank you so much it's been a pleasure what a great episode with Gemma. it's so nice to discuss this idea about coaching niches and about a flexible way as well and not having a rigid process in terms of how to find your niche um if you have enjoyed this episode Please do tell your friends about it or any coaches or facilitators or trainers who might also be interested in hearing our podcast. And do leave a review wherever you found this podcast as well. Until next time, I hope you stay safe and take care of yourself.